Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Thursday, March 18. Jan Fran is here. And Jan, we're talking about Europe's um, crazy experience with the AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah, so Europe has paused the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine and Australia hasn't. In countries that all have rising cases, they're now pausing a vaccine that's proven to be efficacious and safe. Yeah, you'll hear that epidemiologist explain why she thinks the blood clot fears are are overblown. First, let's get into the big stories of the day. We're still on vaccines. Mm. It's the big story of the year. Uh, But this time in Australia, health authorities are reassuring Aussies that the AstraZeneca vaccine is safe and they are suggesting that you get the jab. This is despite four people having an allergic reaction to the drug. We expected to see anaphylaxis. All of our vaccine clinics are prepared and have adrenaline on hand, and they know how to manage these conditions. Right, so that was the Federal Health Secretary, Brendan Murphy, there. Um, He's not sounding too concerned. It was something that he seems to have expected might happen, and this is echoed by the country's chief medical officer, Paul Kelly, who also says the jabs are safe. We should uh, look at the background rate of issues uh, as we roll out mass vaccination programs like this. Things will happen uh, because they happen. Uh, It doesn't mean that they're related to the vaccine. Yeah, so this comes as we move into stage uh, 1B of the AstraZeneca rollout, which starts Monday. That'll go to 6 million people. Uh, Meanwhile, in Europe, uh, the majority of countries have paused their rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine because of blood clot fears. Um, We mentioned that earlier, and we will discuss it in more detail later. They're waiting in Europe on the release of the European Medicines Agency investigation tomorrow. Yeah, so at the same time that they're slightly concerned about the AstraZeneca vaccine, they're also a bit worried that they're not getting enough of those vaccines for their own citizens. So there is a wee bit of confusion happening in Europe at the moment. Um, Speaking overnight, the EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said that the EU was in quote-unquote the crisis of the century. Yeah, so bad that she didn't rule out seizing AstraZeneca factories or stripping them of their intellectual property rights in a bid to secure or produce more of the COVID vaccine for their own citizens. So we are exporting a lot to countries that are themselves producing vaccines. And we think this is an invitation to be open so that we also see exports from those countries coming back. Yeah, so getting exports back to Europe. So it's a a pretty confusing situation there with the AstraZeneca vaccine. I think Europe just needs a little bit more time to sort out exactly what it needs, what it's getting and how to move forward here. So one of the things it's suggesting, as we mentioned, is to take away the intellectual property rights that um, this company has, which would then allow a lot more people to produce it, right? So they want... That's one of the things that they could potentially be looking into. They have also stopped vaccines from getting to Australia. They can do that. They gave themselves the power to do that and they stopped 250,000 doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine from getting to Australia. This was in early March. It feels like this is a dispute between AstraZeneca and Europe and Australia is somehow caught in the crosshairs here. Well, they they look at us and they say, well, Australia's doing well with COVID and they can produce their own version of the vaccine. So why should we be sending ours Mm. when we're gripped with a massive COVID explosion? Like in France, for example, tens of thousands of cases per day. That's a good question. But right now we've got our closest neighbour, PNG, going through a bit of a coronavirus situation themselves, escalating cases. We've asked the EU for a million extra doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine so that we can actually send over to PNG. So it's not really just about us anymore. It's about countries that could potentially need it. I don't know where that's going to end up at. 
And police are again warning about the risks that online radicalisation poses to young people. This is after two men and a 16-year-old boy were arrested in terror raids in Melbourne. Authorities believe that the trio are motivated by Islamic ideology-based religious extremism and they say their investigations were prompted by a fire and an assault in Melbourne earlier this year. Yeah, so the 16-year-old male was released pending further investigations and police say that, you know, they hope that they could provide him with support here. They also say that they're regularly having to deal with young people who've been radicalised online. And this is something that ASIO has said as well, um, concerns perhaps that the pandemic is fueling mm. radicalisation among far-right extremists as well. So ASIO has come out and said, you know, more people are spending time indoors. They're spending more time on the internet. There's people coming together around this, you know, anti-government sentiment. They're not happy with how the government's responded to the lockdowns. So I think they're going to be keeping a close eye on this stuff, ASIO. Yeah, another interesting thing that um, the boss of ASIO, Mike Burgess, said is that they're going to change the way they label these um, terror groups and these motivations. Um, They're going to rely less on left-wing, right-wing Islamic extremism. Um, They say that some of these labels can really do harm. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. And to the US elections 2024. Yeah, that's right. We are only bringing it up because it's slightly ridiculous, which also means that it might be possible in the US. So Donald Trump says that he hopes Meghan Markle runs for president in 2024. So let me just give you a bit of background here. There are, there are rumours that Meghan Markle has met with key Democrats to just basically sound out her chances of running for president in 2024, right? Rumours at this point. But Trump was asked about those rumours on Fox News overnight and, you know, he's open to it. Well, I hope that happens because uh, if that happened, then I'd be, I think I'd have a, an even stronger feeling toward running. <laughs> thought he was running anyway. Well, he's even more running now, apparently. <laughs> he's running faster. <laughs> he's running faster, exactly. He also weighed in on uh, the Oprah Winfrey interview. I'm not a fan of hers. Uh, I think that what she talks about the royal family and the queen, I happen to think I know the queen, as you know. I've met with the queen, and I think the queen is a tremendous person, and I am not a fan of Meghan. You miss him, don't you? No, I I actually don't. And I'm getting slight hives by (laughs) hearing this story that I'm bringing to you today. Um, You know, he's been pretty vocal about Meghan before. He said this back in, I think, September last year. I wish... A lot of luck to Harry, because he's going to need it. Oh, Christ. Can, can, can the US just amend their constitution to say, that's it, no more celebrities allowed to run for president? Good idea. That's it, no more. If you are famous, you cannot run for president. <laughs> you have to be unknown and good at running things. <laughs> Jam, we'll catch you later. Uh, Katrina Blouse is going to join us as we look at the AstraZeneca rollout pause in Europe. European countries have suspended the use of the AstraZeneca vaccines. Europe has pressed pause on the jab because of possible links to blood clots. Yet another hurdle in the EU's vaccination drive. Across Europe, injections are on hold. Germany, France, Spain and Italy all announcing a total pause. In today's briefing, why have so many European countries paused the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine and why is Australia still backing it? Katrina Blouse is here to get into this one. It's been a pretty 
alarming to watch this big number of European countries pause their rollout. And certainly something everyone here is talking about, right? It's made people pretty nervous. It started in Denmark last week where a woman who'd had the AstraZeneca vaccine died of a blood clot-related incident, and then it snowballed from there. Well, the neighbouring countries of Norway and Iceland then paused, and it was Spain, France, Italy, German, Ireland, the Netherlands. Gosh, it just went on and on. Yeah, it's a strong reaction, and it actually goes against the advice of the World Health Organisation and the interim advice of the European Medicines Agency. And they say there's no evidence of a link, but we do know that the European Medicines Agency are doing more investigation and they'll announce their findings tonight. That'll be so interesting to see that. Uh, AstraZeneca's come out saying there's only been 37 blood clot incidents, only 37, among the 17 million vaccine recipients. And that's significant because they say it's actually lower than the population rate of blood clot incidences anyway. Here in Australia, we're approaching it differently. Our chief medical officer has been out you know, trying to calm the fears, saying, you know, our rollout will go ahead as planned and that there isn't a real problem here. Yeah, but Tom, that has not stopped voices from both sides of politics questioning whether that is a good idea and Mm. raising the issue of whether we can actually trust the TGA to make the right calls. It's also raised questions about whether we have been backed into a corner here because our government has prioritised AstraZeneca. Mm. It is, after all, the cheapest vaccine to produce as our vaccine of choice in Australia. Yeah, we're producing it here. We can't get enough of the Pfizer vaccine. So, you know, it is really important to our vaccine rollout. So that, I guess, yeah, gets people wondering, oh, are we, mm. would we be approaching this differently if we, if we had more of the Pfizer vaccine? So we're going to get deep into all of those questions and work out, you know, what's actually going on here. Do we have anything to worry about? Um, We're joined by Catherine Bennett. She's the Chair of Epidemiology at Deakin Uni. Catherine, welcome to the briefing. How concerned are you about these European countries pausing their rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine? Look, I'm, I'm more concerned about them pausing the rollout than I am concerned about the vaccine. The European Medicines Agency, which is looking at the data closely, has already come out ahead of its formal response to say that um, that really there isn't you know, any reason for alarm and certainly no reason for suspension that they've they've um, forecasting. Was it a blanket pause in all countries or some are just doing pauses on certain batches? So some of them were on the batch. Some of them were only for a week or awaiting further analysis. Others kind of formally went for a two-week suspension. So it's interesting that the countries that, as I said, haven't been as reliant on AstraZeneca are doing this, the country that is and has the most data and has shared that data the UK is still confidently going ahead. It's a very interesting situation that these, you know, European nations are going against their own medical authority and the WHO. How have we ended up in this situation? Look, it's all very strange, I must say. Uh, They're even going against their own internal um, medical and science advice as well. It really does seem to be an extreme overreaction. I think there's been a lot going on with um, AstraZeneca's supply chains in the the region. And and I wonder whether this is all part of that, that bigger conversation that's been going on about whether they are serving the EU well enough or whether, you know, when we, we saw the supply to Australia actually being stopped um, by Italy earlier on. So there's a lot that's happening in this space that isn't just about the science, I think. And it's a real concern because it is impacting people's perceptions in faraway places like Australia about the vaccine. So is there an issue with a shortage of supply in some of these countries that might be behind what's going on here? 
Well, at the time that um, Italy led the the blockade on the shipment um, to Australia some three was three or so weeks ago, they had only used a quarter of their supply. In fact, when you look across the EU, the majority um, of doses have actually been taken up by the UK. They've now they're now approaching nearly 25 million people vaccinated. But if you look at specifically the AstraZeneca, for every 100,000 people, 38.4 of them have already had their jab. Whereas across Germany um, or across Europe generally, it's 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 11 or so. So it's four times as many people have AstraZeneca in the UK, and they're not part of this at all. In countries that all have rising cases, they're now pausing a vaccine that's proven to be efficacious and safe. DVT or um, clotting events is is something we know well. It's, it's not an uncommon condition, unfortunately, particularly in the age groups being vaccinated. So, so we've got good data to compare it against. We're seeing people have these events within a few weeks of their jab, but that's actually going to happen whether they have the jab or not. So this is the thing. We hear all the time about other medications like the birth control pill, potentially you know, increasing that risk of blood clots. Can a vaccine increase your risk of that happening? Look, I mean, that's, that's actually a really good point because um, they don't see any biologically plausible causal relationship between this vaccine, knowing what's in it, and having clotting events. So it doesn't mean you should ignore it, you know, because there's always things you've, you have to learn, but there's there's nothing to suggest that this should be causing clots. And now when we're looking at the numbers, we're actually seeing less. So they were looking um, across the region in, in Europe and the UK at something like 37 cases. You know, we have, for, for broader sort of category of clotting events, we have 30,000 in Australia every year alone. So you'd expect a number in that two-week period by chance. It really does beg the question why these pauses have been put in place. Can you take us back to basics and explain how a blood clot happens and what are the most common causes and what are the most common side effects or impacts? Look, I mean, it's a very broad suite of conditions. Um, there can be a number of things that, that cause it. Someone might have a, an injury. Some people have genetic predisposition. So there's a whole lot of things that can lead to clotting um, as well as some very specific disorders and people with those would know about them. The irony is COVID itself is associated with clotting disorders. So preventing COVID Mm. is a much better way to manage um, the risk in the community. What actually is a blood clot? How how do they happen and why are they so dangerous? One of the most common ones we hear about is travel, travel travel-related blood clots. So your blood pools, you you have those platelets, which are really important that, that help blood coagulate so that, you know, if you do get a cut, it dries up, you get that scab quite quickly and you don't um, lose too much blood. So clotting is good. You know, that's why we, we have clotting. But sometimes it goes wrong. And so if you're on a plane, you're sitting there for a long time, the blood's pulled, you can actually get clots forming in your legs, for example, just with that natural process and the blood not circulating well. What the real worry is then is that that clot can also potentially move and it can move to the lung or it can move to the brain and they're areas where it can cause devastating effects very, very quickly if it blocks um, the blood supply to a part of the brain, for example. We know there's a bit of vaccine hesitancy out there. 
we don't want people worried about, you know, side effects that actually are just a coincidence. Yeah, I'd love to talk a bit more about that vaccine hesitancy. We've seen uh, a Queensland backbencher Matt Canavan coming out questioning the TGA and saying we should pause our rollout here. What do you make of that? In Australia, we've got a very, very rigorous approval process. You know, the countries that have paused the vaccine were actually countries that, that went quite early. They went for the emergency designation on these vaccines, whereas we sat back, we watch all the evidence and we make our own decisions. And we're doing the same now. And um, they will have access in the TGA and all those um, committees that are actually watching this very closely for Australia They'll have access to all the same data that's being looked at in the EU and they'll be, you know, talking to the regulatory bodies around the world. So we have all the information and um, we have every reason to trust our TGA. And at the moment, the country with the greatest volume of use, the greatest volume of people who have been uh, given the jab is the UK. And they are very clearly confident in the vaccine, have no reports of an association with with clotting or any other very serious um, side effects. You know, that's what we're looking to. That's where the data is coming from. I think there's a perception in Australia that because we've backed the AstraZeneca vaccine so strongly, it's the vaccine that we're producing here in Australia, that potentially we're backed into a corner where we, we have to support it and that potentially undermines people's confidence what do you make of that perception and, and what can you do to persuade people who, who are concerned for that reason? We were always in a position to pivot our decision. We had to make an early call in Australia to try and get agreements set up. But in fact, we've, we've always had access to more than one vaccine as part of those agreements down the track, obviously, you know, dependent on the regulatory approvals and so on. So we're not just tied to AstraZeneca. Super interesting. And as you say, so confusing. And there's going to be people listening to this right now who'll either be getting their jab today or in the next couple of weeks. What would you say to them? And should they be on the lookout for any symptoms? People might expect to see something that's a bit feeling a bit fluey, you know, having a swelling at the the jab site. Um, and CDC's just released their data showing that those reactions can be slightly stronger in a female than a male, which is actually a good thing because it's showing you the vaccine's working and they tend to have more antibodies produced and a stronger stronger reaction. That's what we usually see with females and vaccines. So it's those local side effects, that's what you expect to see. That was Catherine Bennett, Chair of Epidemiology at Deakin Uni. I wonder, Katrina, you know, these European governments, they're not stupid. They're doing this for a reason. It might not be a medical reason. It might be a political reason where they want to be seen as being super careful about the vaccines. They've got to be so careful though because cases in those countries have just gone through the roof and they're not stopping anytime soon. Their health systems are pushed to the limit. You've got to wonder how long you want to be seen to be overly cautious before putting the safety of your population as a priority. Yeah and whether pausing it actually makes people feel more confident that they're taking it seriously or or increases the fear tricky decision. Yeah. Uh, That's it for today. Tomorrow we look at the Arab Spring uprising. Um, That started 10 years ago. So where is it now? And also finish with a little message from Holly who wrote to us, slid into our DMs. Thank you, Holly. Haven't missed an episode since you started. Thanks for the news that makes sense to me and my morning. Very nice message. Thank you so much, Holly. Love you to get in touch. Slide into our DMs and we'll catch you tomorrow. Listener.